Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is a Tuesday edition. If you missed yesterday's program, we are going to post it to our website, JiggyJaguar.com. You'll be able to uh, download it, stream it, all that fun stuff. You'll be able to do it at JiggyJaguar.com. We're also slowly but surely uploading our old Sunday radio programs. Some of the old stuff with Ross... A lot of the old, uh, a lot of the old stuff is available on our website at JiggyJaguar.com. But we're going to be getting into a uh, some some new stuff today. Troy Lawrence is going to be with us here in just a few moments. He is going to join us on the telephone, talking a little bit about uh, an interesting topic today. That the 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 topic is the Earth is not as old as you think it is. Science supports a biblical amount of creation, and uh, I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh my God, creation. Holy smoke. (laughs) But uh, we try to cover all sides here on our broadcast. Dr. Lawrence is the author of Origins, the Origin of Matter, Space, Time, and Life, and it can be purchased on his website, creationministry.org, and he's with us today here on the telephone. How are you, Dr.? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Now let's talk a little bit about this topic first of all, and then we'll get into the book. Um, first off, the old is not as old as we think it is. Tell us about this. Well, that that's correct. So um, if you were to ask uh, a cosmologist uh, how old the universe is, they could look at the uh, breadth of the universe from edge to edge and say it's 100 billion light years across. And how did it get there with only 16 billion years to answer for such a big universe? And Dr. Alan Guth uh, postulated a theorem called universal inflation. And what the precept is, is that the universe at the time of the um, violent expansion called the Big Bang, it expanded faster than the speed of light. But the duration of this fast accelerated expansion only lasted a Planck time. Now a Planck time is a fraction of a second. Matter of fact, it's a billionth of a billionth of a billionth of a millionth of a second. Wow. So that is a hypothesis and there's no way to authenticate the the brevity of that duration. So a creationist would just come along and say, how do you not know that that um, accelerated expansion was not ours. Matter of fact, uh, physicists today are able to accelerate the speed of light to 300 times its current, what we thought was an axiom, the constant rate of the speed of light. So if mankind can alter the speed of light, and mankind has discerned a, pl- a plausible explanation to explain such a vast universe in only 16 billion years, well then therefore the, the creationist has has a plausible argument. 
and saying the universal inflation was ours and not a plank time. And so that's how we explain uh, the light of the stars being so far, far away. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, indeed. We've got a uh, fabulous guest with us today joining us live here on the telephone talking a little bit about uh, a uh, fantastic, fantastic topic. Now, um, how did you arrive at all of this? Well, it's, it's been a process of, of accumulating data and evidence. And, and what I do is I stand on the backs of giants. In other words, I didn't create my own CERN Large Hadron Collider. I just analyzed their data and what they came up with. So this is fantastic. Can I, as a creationist, prove God? Uh, this is a wonderful uh, question. And when you look at mankind throughout the history, when we didn't understand how something happened, we just opted for, well, then God did it. Well, as science increased, um, mankind has drifted away from wanting to say, uh, God did it this way, and we know the science on how he did it, we want to now say, well, we know how it was done by natural processes, therefore God uh, is not needed. So in the 1960s, Dr. Higgs postulated, if you collide energy at the speed of light, what comes out of that is the conversion of energy to matter. So we have no problem converting matter to energy, such as burning a piece of wood, you get heat. That's not been the problem. But it's been a cooked egg, scrambled egg scenario. How do you go the opposite direction of going from energy to matter? If we could figure that out, i.e. the Big Bang, then we would need God, uh, seemingly. Well, so 10,000 scientists and engineers have built the CERN Large Hadron Collider. It's a particle accelerator in Switzerland. And tens of billions of dollars. And the magnets used to accelerate the particles are 100,000 times more powerful than the Earth's gravitational pull on a per-scale basis. So, um, and the amount of uh, electrical power to operate the facility in one month can power 300,000 homes for an entire year. So with all this knowledge of 10,000 plus scientists and engineers and resources and, and power, how much matter did they convert from energy? And the answer is 125 giga electron volts to the uh, speed of light squared. So you say, well, how much is that? And how do I relate to that? Take a grain of sand and multiply it by 1 times 10 to the negative 19th power. So that's a grain of sand times 0. 0.000, and you keep going to get to 19 zeros, and then a 1. That's how minuscule amount of matter was generated from the energy. So what's the implication? The implication is this. If you then account for all the grain sanules on the Earth, all the matter of the Earth, all the matter in the solar system, in galaxies, in the universe, you then seemingly need unlimited, infinite knowledge, resources, and power. Unwittingly, in man's attempt to prove there's no need for God, they have unwittingly proved that only through God can account for all the matter in the universe. That is way above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> but I thank you for explaining that to us, my friend. Uh, now, 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 Dr. Lawrence, uh, you have an amazing, amazing book out there. Let's start talking about the book. Um, people can pick the book up on your website. Um, why did you decide to write this book? Well, I, I wrote this book because um, I was seeing that the prevailing uh, notion was 
um, it was trying to argue the Bible versus science. And I was seeing that, that that's incongruous. What I'm seeing is that it's science and the Bible versus the opinions of evolutionary scientists. And here's a case in point. So the Bible teaches that life begot life in the beginning, and that through God and from God came about all life, kind of in a genetic matter. So if we use the scientific method, which is science, that all what we observe and test, and we can draw uh, questions and hypotheses upon that. So going by a biology, we 100% of the time observe life only comes from a prior life. And, and in genetics, we observe and test that the DNA that governs all life only comes from the DNA of the prior life. So using the scientific method, what we cannot say is that life came from a non-living um, material. We can postulate that life came from a prior life and that potentially this, this, has to, this could go on for eternity in the past. Well, that can't be because the Earth is finite. It has a beginning. So the only other option is that at some point in time, an eternal life begot life and the DNA for life on Earth, utilizing the scientific method. We've got a, a great guest with us today. He joins us live here on the telephone, Dr. Troy Lawrence. And uh, he's with us today to, uh, to discuss all sorts of different issues of the day. We're talking about his book uh, right now. This book is incredibly well written. Uh, tell me about the writing process for this great book. Well, I'm not a writer. And um, so I hired a wonderful editor, um, George Macias, and he did a wonderful job uh, going through my book. Um, he's an evolutionist, and one of the uh, tenets of, of evolution is that uh, through mutations, uh, the genetic code has become more complex, um, and we've increased the amount of information in the DNA code to finally get to the diversity and complexity of life. Uh, through uh, natural selection. But what uh, my editor um, said that I proved beyond a preponderance of evidence against that is that natural selection is actually a creationist argument and not an, a, a macroevolutionary argument, and here's why. Mutations invariably cause either stillborn or uh, the creature be sterile or them to be weak, uh, to be prone to sickness, prone to disease and deformed so if the climate doesn't kill those mutated creatures and the predators don't kill the the weak and frail and slower mutated creatures well then when it comes time to procreating the opposite sect is governed by their dna to only select the most accurate genetic copy the one that's not sick the one that's not mutated the one that's not deformed uh so natural selection preserves the original um, genetic copy. It doesn't create um, new genetic copy for new function and a new kind of life. So natural selection is against macroevolution and for creation. Book. We've got a great guest with us today here in our broadcast, Coast to Coast to Border to Border on TuneIn, iTunes, so Radio Loyalty, and Stitcher. Um, are some of the experiences in this book based upon uh, your experiences or events in your own life or uh, science that you've studied? Tell us about that. Yeah, so studying science, what I've done is, is I've constructed the book on the backs of giants, um, men that are experts in their own field and what they have discerned. 
case in point, Dr. Robert Gentry, he has discovered polonium halos. Now, this might get a little deep, okay? But um, one of the tools for dating methods uh, that an evolutionist would use to discern that the, um, the Earth is uh, really old is radioisometric dating. The rate of decay of, of going from a, an unstable radioactive element to eventually get to lead, which is uh, stable. It, but in the process of losing those electrons, we uh, know the exact rate of that decay rate. But the problem is, is has that de- rate of decay been constant forever and ever and ever in the past? And that's where the leap of faith comes in. As a matter of fact, there has been um, um, research by German labs that have found that uranium has fluctuations in the rate of decay linked to solar flares. So uranium uh, decay rate is, is not necessarily constant today. Why would anyone believe that it's been constant forever and ever and ever in the past? And that's what Dr. Robert Gentry has found. He has found in granite, the bedrock of the continent, polonium halos in their... Uh, original primordial state without a heavier chain, a heavier element that they descended from in a natural evolutionary process, a chemical evolution, indicating, suggesting a creation moment where polonium was just created and did not evolve through uh, billions of years. An amazing author with us today, an amazing book, and uh, Dr. Troy Lawrence with us today here in our broadcast, he's a young earth creationist whose ministry and purpose is to reach others through teaching and sharing the incredible amount of evidence that supports a biblical amount of account of creation, the great flood, and more. He is with us today here on our broadcast, and um, Dr. Lawrence is also available for lecture, conversation, and debate on a lot of topics. Uh, get in touch with him via his website. The book today, The Origins, uh, Origins, The Origin of Matter, Space, Time, and Life. He's with us today here on the telephone, and um, you you are a very skilled educator, my friend, on, on this topic uh, you're also a debater on this topic. Have you ever had anybody who's wanted to debate you? Because you have a lot of your stuff in gear, my friend. I don't know anybody that, that, that could uh, reach you on a debate. Oh, I'm just an average Joe, actually. So, yeah, I've, I've debated several. And there's a lot of confirmational bias. In other words, when someone doesn't want uh, to hear the evidence, they just uh, talk right past you. But... From um, a biblical point of view, if, if anyone in your audience um, reads the Bible, there's a, a really important note when Satan tempted Adam and Eve, and, then, and later Satan tempted Jesus. He did something just before he tempted them. He, uh, with Adam and Eve, he said, Indeed has God said, and with Jesus, just after the Father said, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased, then Satan said, If you are the Son of God. Both uh, action, both modus operandi, was to separate uh, them from the uh, from the Word of God and then tempt. Now, that was that was Satan's mo. So the best place to start with separating someone from the Word of God is in the beginning. You get someone away from the Genesis creation account. It's easy to keep them away because who wants to read a book written by man that has uh, error in it? And they're less likely to share because who? wants to go to an atheist and say, hey, believe in my all-powerful God, though he wrote errors in the Genesis creation account. So from a biblical perspective, 
can someone read uh, Genesis and say the word day in the Genesis creation account, do we know whether that means eons, indeterminate amount of time, or do we know that it means a rotation of the earth? Can we know for sure? And the answer is yes. Um, in the Bible, 100% of the time when there is a number that it's associated to the word day uh, in the Hebrew yom, when there's a number in front of it, 100% of the time, it's always a rotation of the earth. So first day, second day, third day. When there's no associated term, such as in the day of the Lord, it's any day. It's eons, indeterminate. Now, God, since he doesn't increase in knowledge, he knew we'd be struggling with this, so he put another defining associated term in the Genesis creation account to let us know it's a, it's a rotation of the earth. He said, for each day, and there was evening, and there was morning. That's another defining associated term, which forces the definitive article, the, in Genesis creation day. So it's the first day, the second day, and so forth for each day. So from a biblical perspective, yes, we can know the day is a rotation of the earth. And it's corroborated with the Ten Commandments, where God wrote in stone his own testimony. He said, work six days, rest seven, for I, created the, I made the heavens and the earth and everything in them in six days and rested the seven. We've got a great guest with us today. Dr. Troy Lawrence joins us here in our broadcast. Coast to coast to border to border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, and the brand new Jiggy Jaguar app. It is available in the App Store, JiggyJaguar.us. Origins, the origin of matter, space, time, and life. He's the author. He's with us today here on our program. Um, are, are some of these... Uh, facts and some of these different, uh, some some of this different uh, material in this book. Um, how how do you want readers to take away from this? What do you want readers to take away from your writing? Uh, that there is a a different um, uh, way to look at the evidence. That the opinions of evolutionary scientists is not a synonym for science. Science is an ally. It's it's not that. There's any uh, refuting of the evidence or the data. It's the interpretation forced on it. Case in point, when you look at the layers of the crust, you see that the layers are smooth, um, and you see that the layers are segregated so that you'll have a layer of limestone and a layer of clay and, and whatnot. So it's incongruous to believe that for a million years a particular exclusive sediment type deposited in an area, such as just clay in an area, and then the next million years, just mud without biomass, and then the next million years, just mud with biomass, and then the next million years, sand, and so forth. But when you have a catastrophic global flood, it's not a clear flood. Matter of fact, in Genesis 7-11, it says the deep caverns burst forth. That's a violent term. So we would hypothesize that deep caverns uh, under, just underneath the crust, bursted violently through what we would call fault lines. So the, the flood was not clear waters, but filled with sediment, and those sediments settled in layers, smooth. And we can go to a lab, and 100% of the time, if you fill a jug with water and mix it with the different sediment types, stir it up and then let it settle calm, 100% of the time, it'll settle in layers that's segregated, just like we see uh, on, on the crust of the earth. Now, how do you get all the different creatures in, in, uh, fossilized in each layer from a creationist point of view? Because we know what the evolutionists say, that that's uh, un the uniformitarian theory. It's in lockstep with 
uh, evolution as the soil depositing. So creationists would come along and say, have you ever watched a CSI show and, and you read about uh, someone who uh, kills someone, they bury him in a lake? Well, what happens to that dead person at the bottom of the lake four or five a week later? They rise. What causes them to rise? A change in buoyancy. They get distended, bloated, um, become buoyant, and float to the surface. What happened? What happened was inside their intestinal uh, tract was living bacteria, healthy living bacteria that was consuming them from the inside out. We all have this. Every creature that consumes food has this. So um, the, the bacteria would defecate methane gas and cause distension and bloating and change the buoyancy. So during the creation, I mean, during the flood, when you had all these dead creatures in the water as debris, they would uh, un- undergo that bloating as well, but dependent on their DNA, which, which formed their external shell or, or exoskeleton, would determine how much uh, change in buoyancy occurred, such as those with shells would resist the most than those with exoskeletons, than those with thick scales, and then thin, thick fur, and then thinner scales, and thinner fur, and then um, primates, and, and, and then humans. So that would occur and account for all the different creatures at different layers. And you know what's really important about this? You can look at any creature when it falls to the ground and dies. Do you know how long it takes that creature to decay to 100% dust so that it's impossible to fossilize? Years. Each creature, when it falls to the ground, is completely gone to dust in years. They won't wait around for a million years for not just one layer, but it needs many layers for fossilization and moisture to occur. So you need all that pressure to get rid of the oxygen so it stops the decay process. So each time you see a fossil, it means it was covered quickly by soil, not slowly um, as the layers slowly accumulated. And it's worse for leaves. Leaves decay to dust in months. So every time you see a leaf fossil, it means it was covered quickly. That's the global catastrophic flood in Genesis 7, not a slow deposit over millions of years for each layer. Amazing, amazing stuff. We've got a, a great guest with us today. He joins us live here in a broadcast, Dr. Troy Lawrence. And, uh, Doctor, how, how do we pick up the book and uh, get in touch with you, my friend? Yes, yeah, so you can uh, contact me through my website, creationministry.org. You can type that in the URL since there's uh, other websites and I guess I don't pay Google enough to get on the front page, so I'm like 10, 15 pages in. <laughs> but that's how they can contact me. Awesome stuff. Troy Lawrence is the author of the book Origins, The Origin of Matter, Space, Time, and Life. And he's been our guest today here on our Tuesday edition of the world-famous Cheeky Chegwire Radio Program. And uh, Dr. Lawrence, I appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks for being on. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Definitely. We'll talk soon. Thank you, man. We're going to take a time out. Frank Vernuccio is coming up. Anthony Gomes right now with Turn It Up on the world famous Chicky Jaguar Radio Program. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.